the Charlton Daily. A Scotland Euro 2020 podcast by Hockey the Hack. Good afternoon, everyone, and a very warm welcome to day eight of the Tartan Daily. I'm wondering how long these are going to be going on for, because Scotland, after that result against the Czechs, it looks like we're probably fated to crash out the tournament quite early. Part of me thinks that might be a good thing for me, because otherwise I could face weeks doing this. Keep trying to come up with new content ideas. Hello to everyone that started watching the stream. If you are watching, then please do make yourself known to me with a comment, whether that's on YouTube. Facebook or Twitter, and joining me today, as you can see, is Oi Oi Sue. That's our Twitter handle, but also known as Susan McDade. Susan, me and you have been pals for a long, long time. Scotland fans, probably for even longer. How are you doing today, pal? Hi, I'm doing well. How are you getting on? <laughs> Do you know what? The heat stroke that I was suffering when I first came to London, that has now abated, right? I still look like I'm sweating, and I still am sweating, but that's <laughs> general ambient temperature. It's meant to be peeing down with rain tomorrow from what right. I can see in terms of the weather forecast. And I think that's a good thing for Scotland, maybe. Then mm. again, it may be. I don't know, a slick surface, that probably help England's ball players. And yeah. you could see they were maybe conserving themselves a wee bit when it was roasting against Croatia. But eight o'clock at night, it's going to be a bit cooler, the ambient temperature anyway. How much are you looking forward to this? Because this is a historic occasion. And this is going to be the match that these Euros are remembered for, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Well, I think the the last time we met England in a big tournament, I was in nappies. So uh, this one will obviously mean a lot more. But it's one of the ones, Hodge. It's like, see, now you feel like a sense of dread just (laughs) at the moment. But see, come Friday, I'll be right up for it. Tomorrow, even I should say. Aye, no, it's, it's come round quick, to be fair. Um, hello to everyone that's saying, saying hello, West Bride Legends. Yes, indeed, we are both. Well, I don't know, Susan, do you, do you consider yourself to be more for Irvin or for West Bride? Would you say? I, I would say I'm for Irvin. Who, uh, yeah. who's, calling, who's calling us legends? Uh, Josh Bond is calling us West Bride <laughs> Legends. Aye, we Josh. We Josh is bigger than both of us now. Um, I am kind of looking forward to this game tomorrow, but. If we go out and it's a complete capitulation, then, I mean, the Czech Republic result put a bit of a downer on things. If we go out and we get pumped off England, then, I mean, there's a bit of national pride (laughs) that could be severely damaged. And there's a lot of national pride at stake in this game, I think. And for all the Scotland fans that are coming down, I mean, surely... Surely we've got to lift it for that Czech game. Although, in truth, we weren't that far away in the Czech Republic game because we created like a fair number of chances. We defended all bar one ball into the box and one kind of freak goal. No too badly. But I don't know. Like, I'm worried. I'm more worried than optimistic going into the game. I, what I think after uh, Monday with the Czech Republic, I think obviously because everybody knows that was a game we're thinking... We're going to go away with three points. That's probably the most likely one. Um, it's not very often you'll be at home with fans there during the year that we've had um, to start yeah. off your, your Euro campaign. So uh, it was a bit of a downer, but there's nothing you can do. Now you just need to move on. And, and Do you know, stranger things have happened. I know England have got a good team in that, but we'll be up for it. 
We will be. Um, we do have England fans watching as well. Russ Vernon says, hi, Stuart and Sue. Hope you're both well. England to win 3-0. Come on, England. Definitely <laughs> England winning 3-0 than Scotland, sadly, I feel. But, I mean, I would take our last-minute bowls, last-minute bowl, last-minute goal, slapped in, off a knee, off like somebody's bum. I don't care how we get it. If we if we can manage to win, then that would be a good thing. I don't want us to score too early either. I think if we mm-hmm. score too early, that will just we'll just sit back because that's the mentality that we've got is if we go a goal up, we will just sit back. I would rather get a goal with about 10, 15 minutes to go and then just suffer the Alamo for the mm-hmm. last 10, 15 minutes. But how would you go about things then? Now, obviously the big narrative in the build-up to the game is the, the availability or not of Kieran Tierney because mm-hmm. KT is obviously an absolutely massive player for Scotland and... I think you could see, particularly when it came to stepping out of defence and and knitting the, the defence, the midfield and the attack into sort of one cohesive unit when it came to the passing. I think we really missed them in yeah. terms of that ability to step out. There was also less of a threat on the left side, although Andy Robertson did play well and did have quite a dynamic performance. But Kieran Tierney is going to be absolutely pivotal. Isn't he? Oh, aye, definitely. I don't even is is it been confirmed that he's fat? I keep seeing can I match reports? It's touch and go. Um, like I think is the last thing. I think he he was interviewed himself. He said um, that he's, he's training, that he's hopeful, uh, but it's going to be a tight run thing. But I think, I mean, it's hard because obviously a player and you've you've got to appease the interest of the club and stuff as well. But a player's got a look after his interests in terms of looking at his career as a whole, but at the same time, how many times is Kieran Tierney going to get to play England at a major tournament? I would wager once. So, uh, on that basis, surely... He'll be, right wa- he'll be wanting to be there. Oh, he'll be wanting to be there. Obviously, him not being there Monday was a massive loss, as you said, up that left side. He was just missed. Like, it's the creativity that he can um, bring forward as well. Um Aye, if he, I, I hope I hope he does make it in order, but um, we'll see. I think the way we set up in Monday would probably have been better suited for England than it was the Czech Republic. Um, I'm to say that. Just like I just thought, the team that he picked that uh, just wasn't a kind of like going for it team, was it? Really, like starting. You thought it was quite conservative, aye. Aye, like um, don't want to be too harsh and, and Christy, but. I've seen him play up front for Celtic and I've been happy. He's not been at it for six months. Anytime I've seen him um, up that end of the park, I'm like, ah, he's just not been he's just not been doing it recently. So I was a bit kinda confused as why he started him. Uh, mm-hmm. I just wouldn't have done that. Um I don't know how fit Forrest is at the moment, but I thought he made a wee bit of difference when he came on. Um, Would you play him right wing back? We had I think it's quite been playing him. He played, he brought him on there, didn't he? Um, he brought him on in that position. I mean, my worry is if you're up against whoever England choose to deploy in the left and they have a wealth of options, then it's gonna be it's gonna be difficult. And you're asking a player that's not a defender to play a role that is like somewhat uh, defensive anyway. I mean, even if he's playing as a wing back and there's an emphasis on attacking when we've got the ball, mm-hmm. he's got to be disciplined when we've not. And I don't think that's a strength in James Forrest's game. I've I've said it a couple of times in the podcast, I'd fling Nathan Patterson in. I, I don't have any qualms about that. I um, think he would I think he's he's obviously it's his position to play at yeah. right back. Mm-hmm. And 
he's also got the pace and the ability going forward that Stephen O'Donnell doesn't. Yeah. And I think O'Donnell badly let us down against the Czechs. I think, to be honest, he deserved that vote of confidence in that he's been in in the qualification campaign. And Steve Clark obviously trusts him from his time at Kilmarnock. But he just didn't do enough for me. And I thought he held the team back, particularly that bit where he ran into Ryan Christie's space as Christie was jinking into the box. <laughs> that just kind of thumbed up. Aye. Yeah. Aye, I, I would fling Parson in. That would be that would do move. I actually was uh, speaking to old Joe about that. Um, I would put him in um, ahead of O'Donnell um, at this stage. I just think, is it a risk? Maybe I, but it might be. I, I'd rather take the risks and go for it and get it all than just sit back and get beat anyway. Do you know what I mean? Aye. I know, I get that. I mean, the, the, the one bit of me that has torn is, this is a game, I normally say, you might as well lose 3-0 as 2-1. No, <laughs> I don't want gubbed. Like, I want to keep I it. Know. I know, so, I know. Aye, I mean, I'm kind of torn on that on that score. Um, I think one of my main issues is that like, we've not really got that kind of centre-forward, somebody that's you can depend on like, a big match player that's going to bang in the goals. I mean, watching Wales, you're thinking, hey, they're an all right team, but you've got likes of Gareth Bale. Like, he, do you know what I mean? He's a, a superstar up there. I think that's, I, I just think um, that's what we're lacking a wee bit, I think, um, up the, the front of the park. That's just well, we, we don't have that. Lyndon Dykes has not been scoring these chances. Uh, I think Shea Adams is... Probably not quite. He was definitely not in the Gareth Bale bracket. He's maybe a better player than Kiefer Moore, their <laughs> centre forward. But they, I mean, they've got they've got Bale and Ramsey, who are world class players in the kind of middle to front area. Whereas both of our world class players in typical Scottish fashion play in the same position. Aye, um, exactly. And it's good that we've got the we've kind of solved the. I mean, my mate Callum was saying to me last night. It's such a Scottish thing that for years we were trying to work out the conundrum of playing Robertson and Tierney. And then when it came to the big game, Tierney wasn't available anyway. I know. I know. You know what I mean? But I want to talk about the importance of Kieran Tierney because obviously, I hope you don't mind me saying, you're a Celtic fan. You've obviously watched them coming through the ranks mm-hmm. and breaking into the team as a young teenager. And I can remember watching, he, he made a mistake in a game that I was watching live. I think it was Kilmarnock that Celtic were playing. And um, he gave the ball away and it led to a chance. And Jozo Simunovic, of all people, told him to lift his, lift his chin, like carry himself, like, it's all right, just carry on. And he just responded to that mistake after mm-hmm. Simunovic said that to him and was the man of the match in the rest of the game. And this is him bossing games when he was 17. Oh. you know. And he's been like that ever, ever since he broke in to the Celtic first team. Obviously, the main concern is with his fitness because he can't seem to stay fit for prolonged periods of time. And part of that's maybe to do with the, the demands in the Celtic team around the calendar and also just the, the demands of elite football now because it has, has a real toll in your body. But I just want you to tell me where Kieran Tierney comes for you in the echelons of like Scottish defenders and, and Celtic defenders during, during your time watching both teams. Uh, well, there's a reason why people say he's one of the, the best left-backs about just now, do you know what I mean? What he's done um, with Arsenal. Um, what he done with us as well, do you know what I mean? He was, we, were, we were gutted to, to lose him, obviously, but we knew it was always going to happen. Do you know what I mean, somebody of that kind of calibre isn't going to when they can go in and, and play the big games, as much as I hate to admit it, about Scottish football, do you know what I mean? I can totally understand why folk want to leave and go down south, but I, um, 
in terms of where he's at, um, I don't have a problem saying I think he's one of the best left backs in the world at the moment. Do you know what I mean? The way he's played um, for Arsenal, it's just been fantastic. But as you said, he's like. He just gets injured so easily, didn't he? It's just like any kind of wee knock. I mean, what was that at training? He, he took a knock and um, so it's his only downfall is that he doesn't seem to be able to keep fit for prolonged periods of time. Yeah, it, does, it seems to be small things as well. It doesn't always seem to be like, oh, well, somebody's going in and hurt him in a challenge. It seems aye, to be it's, and niggles. And... Aye, it's wee niggles, isn't it? Um, yeah. aye, you do feel for him, but aye, um, I, I, I hope... Um, he can make it more. I think he. I think he can genuinely make a massive difference. I think. Yeah. Um, I think what I would say about just going back to Monday there. I'll come back to Katie, but um, I think a lot of your kind of Premier League players. Oh, Robertson. I thought he had a good game. He obviously missed that chance, but um, I th- I thought they were kind of like, nobodies in that game. You maybe expecting right. big players like that have maybe used to to big games. Um, they didn't really do much. Um, McTominay was the big one for me. I mean, I, I, I waded into him in the podcast a couple of days ago with Stephen Carlin. We did our player ratings for the for the game um, against the Czechs, and I just thought McTominay. It, what a contrast that way was was Darren Fletcher. When Darren Fletcher played with Scotland, albeit worse Scotland teams, he looked like the Man United player in the Scotland team. Regardless of how rubbish Scotland were playing, Darren Fletcher looked like the man you player and was lifting the level of everybody else just by being there. McTominay didn't do that. The game passed him by against the Czechs and there was no sense of him trying... And he's a different player for Darren Fletcher, but there was no sense of him trying to stamp his authority on it. Aye, and I totally that's, agree. That's where he needs to be better. Aye, I totally agree. Um, I mean, I think the, the set-up that we had, um, what was it, McGinn, Armstrong and McTominay, like, I thought... Um, Looking at that, you think and I, they're three good players, do you know what I mean? It's, um, mm-hmm. But as you said with McTominay, like, come for a team like Man United, you'd expect them to do a wee bit more, aren't you? It's, um, see, these are the players that you need to come out in these big moments. There's a lot of these guys in the team, like, I know obviously you said about O'Donnell um, like playing in the, the qualifiers and stuff, but do you know what I mean? What's he went, come on up to Motherwell? Like, <laughs> like what experience do these guys have, really, it being like, a major tournament um, and that's the fear going into this game tomorrow these guys, a lot of guys in this team are used to these big match moments and I just hope that some of the guys in our team it can be their moment to maybe shine in the big stage but we'll see, if, if Tierney's there I think it'll make a massive difference you'll, you'll know how a lot of these players play as well, playing down south of them as well, do you know what I mean, so I think that'll make yeah. a massive difference no, I think so, definitely. And I mean, the the thing about Kieran Tierney for me is he is the axis on which this Scotland team's whole tactical template is built. No just defending, where he's obviously very capable tucking in in, in central defence, reads the game really well, obviously very composed when it comes to his distribution under pressure. And you could see particularly in that game against the Czechs when they were pressing really high, um, just before and just after the second goal, Scotland were trying to play out for the back. David Marshall, who's no brilliant with the ball at his feet, was playing it to Liam Cooper, and then they were just scalping it aimlessly up the park. And whereas Kieran Tierney would probably just take a touch round a man, play it into midfield, and give yeah. Scotland a chance to build an attack for there. You know? That's exactly what we were missing. Like, see, at a times are just lobbing it up and just hoping it reaches dikes. You're thinking, like, it's just no. Um, 
that's what I was saying. Like maybe that kind of set up like if you're playing against like, a team like England or um any other kind of favourites of the tournament, like maybe that kind of way that kind of style would suit better if you're unable to break teams down. But I think um if the likes of Tierney had been there, Robertson was running up and he he done well up and down that line. Um he did he worked hard, but he's obviously yeah, wider, so in central areas you need that composure. Aye. Aye. You, know? you can't you can't go to a, a major tournament and just be scalping balls up the park and just hoping that it hits your, your big centre half. Do you know what I mean? Like you just can't do it. No. Um so like, I know I've sort of saying freak moments have happened, like so it's Celtic done against Barcelona. <laughs> it somehow paid off that one time, do you know what I mean? But um how often are moments like that gonna happen? It's no, that's that's few and far between. I can remember, I mean, if you're referring to the two one game that Celtic won in twenty twelve, I remember the tweet for the guy that uh, that programmes the football manager games and he just wrote glitch. Like <laughs> that, that, that was his tweet after Celtic had that one. Um Scotland only gonna win a game that way. I mean, for one, we don't have Fraser Foster in goals, you know. <laughs> so that's that that's a factor. I think as well. One of the big things for me with with Scotland going into this England game is that there was a sense of pressure going into the Czech game, although maybe some people wouldn't have acknowledged it. It was, I think, everyone kind of knew it was the game that we could win. You know, like we're at home. Obviously, the excitement again to a major tournament. This was the game that we could go and win. I'm not expected to get anything against England or Croatia. So, from that perspective, I think. It kind of plays into our hands to just go out and have a go. No, my one worry is, I know you're right, and my one worry is though that I think Steve Clark's natural inclination as a manager is to be quite conservative in his selections. Mm. So I, I don't want him to do that. I want him to go out and properly have a go, you know, yeah. and, and set a team up that is going to go and hurt England. Because for one, I don't think our defence is good enough to just sit and soak up pressure. So no. just couldn't do it. Aye. You know? I know. Totally agree. Um I would I know you're obviously not wanting a hump and like nobody's wanting that, but you know, it's I would just rather they out put a team out that's just gonna go for it. And I think we we could be dangerous in certain areas, um, to mm-hmm. them, definitely. I'm I'm not sitting here saying, Oh, I've got no hope at all. Like of course we could do it. Do you know what I mean? They'll be up for it. Um and obviously there's the the whole rivalry thing there as well, and uh, that affect, that always affects everyone in in these games when it's big kind of rival games. It's um, there's always a kind of different kind of feeling in the atmosphere, isn't there? Um, for these games, um, I, uh, I this just, will be the biggest rivalry in the tournament in terms oh, of aye, aye. two countries properly going at it, and especially the fact that it's like it's located within the British Isles, you can get to the game. You know, um, and although loads of people won't be travelling because of sort of precautions and, and stuff like that, guidelines have been set, there's still going to be an absolute influx of the Tartan Army into <laughs> London, and it's going to be bedlam. Be. I, I think that, for one thing, is something that, I mean, it's going to be interesting to see how that transmits in the stadium, because I think if it was normal crowds and stuff, that would be, you couldn't miss it. Whereas it'll be interesting to see the noise that whatever pocket of Scotland fans gets in are able to make in the stadium. But run about Wembley and run about London, it's going to be bonkers. Oh, I mean, I'm already seeing a bit of signs of that. I 
folk begin to come and congregate now. And I know that there's an influx. I mean, West School Bride's been mentioned. There's an influx of folk coming for West School Bride in a train right now. Um, so, aye, like it's going to be, it's going to be fun. Uh, but how many fans we got there? About two and a half thousand, is it? I think that's the allocation. Aye. Um, so, uh, but again, like I mean. If a tout was selling a ticket at a reasonable price, I'd go in the England end. You know what I mean? I wouldn't go <laughs> either about that. Yeah, um, you, you wouldn't cope in there, Hodge. <laughs> you know, I've actually watched an England game at Wembley in the England crowd. I sat down for God Save the Queen, however. Um, oh, sorry if that offends anyone watching, because like, I know it's the British National Anthem, but it's not my National Anthem. Um, oh, I, the I, National Anthem is, Hodge. Yes. Oh I, oh, I knew you were going to bring this up. <laughs> I remember, correct me, um, was this the game where... Scotland, Holland, we won 1-0. Was it, was, it, was it no the away leg we went down that when we got beat 6-0? No, this was the this was the home leg, this was the oh, expectation was and the hope. Yep, because I watched that other game at my uncle's bit. Right. What, what, what year was that? Uh, oh, early 2000s, wasn't it? Um, so what, what age would I have been taught for like... Seven oh, or eight or something. I, you'd have been a and I was like eleven or twelve or something. <laughs> um, <sighs> I you, we went down to the the Seamal Hydro, and anyone that knows that establishment is quite hoity-toity, shall we say? Oh, oh, yes. Yeah. Mainly usually, they watch like a game of polo than a game of football. Usually, I, you're not usually getting wins for the scheme going down. <laughs> <laughs> I we just brought the tone down virtually by being there, didn't we? <laughs> um, Going down, I'm trying to think who it was. It was you and my brother, it was a few others, um, and I was a little tag along with you. And um, even like the, lo- the lounge that we were, we were watching it in, like, but folk were watching it, but they weren't really uh, emotionally invested in it, shall we say. And um, you're hearing the you're, you're seeing the players line up for the national anthem, and the main man himself, Hodge, stands up <laughs> in front of everyone. Uh, I think because I was so young, I found it hysterical. But I remember just my brother hitting a few beamer. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he was always Stand getting up. places. Uh, standing up to the national anthem and never heard somebody sing it so loud in my life. That's probably my first memory like, of watching Scotland is with you that time. There you go. Um, I'm glad that I made an imprint, mate. Uh, I, <laughs> what I remember about that was. I had like a weird kind of brash neck that I've still got to an extent, but particularly <laughs> like when most folk hit that kind of awkward early teenage age, my, my way of counteracting that was just to go the other way and just be that embarrassment to the likes of Jamie McDade, Stevie Moran, or mates. And that's what I did like in that. So like when we did karaoke and stuff, I'd be up getting at the pure Axel Rose and all that, you know what I mean? Quite happily, no fear. But I, like, I, was, I remember being really annoyed because I thought this is a massive game for Scotland, it's a playoff we could get to a major tournament and nobody was singing the national anthem, like it doesn't matter like what their sort of take home pay is every year I, I don't care, it's your country's playing you should stand up, even if you don't sing stand up for the national anthem and they didn't do it, so <laughs> I, I felt I had to kind of compensate for that Aye. I delivered my, my rendition with great gusto, you know. The um, a bit of patriotism there for you. <laughs> well, I'm so surprised that I get kicked out of the establishment multiple times in my teens thereafter. We've got a question in for Russ Vernon. He's asking, which England player are you scared about the most? 
Um, I have addressed this in a previous podcast, but I will go back over it. Susan, who are you scared of the most? Oh, who am I scared of? Um, i to think. Uh, well, is it right in saying that Maguire's going to be back fit? Uh, I've no had a look at the, the latest update on him, but if Slapheed's going to be playing, then that's no good for us. I, I was I was seeing um I, I, that might be wrong by the way um I'm just I'm sure I read something um I, I know he's working his way back to fitness generally but I don't know how it stands in terms of rolling sure game um people can correct me if I'm wrong but if, I think if he's playing um I mean I've not watched too much of him um but I think we he's obviously a first pick for England and what well, he's the captain of his, his team, do you know what I mean? So he's obviously um, no idiot. So I think if he is um, back in, I think that could be a, a real problem, um, having yeah. um, somebody like Harry Maguire in there. Um, Probably going forward. Going forward? I mean, oh, well, you've got your... your embarrassment of let's be honest. Like, it's, it's quite... It's, a, it's an embarrassment of riches that England have got in that area of the field. They can... I think, uh, I think he likes a Harry Kane and stuff. He can obviously do some damage, do you know what I mean? And we've already spoke about our defence not being great. Um, but... Uh, but out. Maguire declared himself fit for selection last night. Whether that means Gareth Southgate thinks he's fit or not remains... Oh, he declared himself fit. <laughs> Aye, I think that's maybe put a bit of pressure on the boss, which um, is, is an interesting thing to do. Like, I think you should always show a bit of deference to the manager. And I've said before in this podcast, I think Gareth Southgate is a fantastic international boss. Uh, and that worries me as well. Who are you scared about? Jack Grealish. Because I think he's got a real point to prove. And I think if he comes off the bench, which I think is more likely than I'm starting, I think Grealish is got a... I think he could destroy us, particularly if legs are tiring and all that sort of thing. And he's more likely to play in the side of the part that we are by far the weakest right back and right centre back. I just think he could absolutely destroy us if he comes on uh, with half an hour, 20 minutes to go. If England need a goal, I think we'll come to him. And I think he could be very, very dangerous. Do you know one thing I'd just like to touch on? You mentioned about him, him maybe being a player you can bring on with 15, 20 minutes to go, needing a, needing a, a goal. Um, obviously, I know he's not in the squad, and um, but I think Griffith's not been there um, at his best, full ma- fully match fit, which he obviously is not. I, I don't know the, the reasons behind that, but I think he is a big loss, um, not being there. He is the kind of player you'd want. If you're 75 minutes gone, you're, need, you're needing a goal. He, he's the kind of player you'd want to bring on. And I don't feel like we've got that at the moment. Like, mm-hmm. like if, if we are needing, um, if we are one nil done um, with fifteen minutes to go, who have we got that we can bring on and is going to be a, a game changing, a big moment player? That's my worry. That's what I'm most scared about. Rather than an individual England player, I think, my, I think that's my biggest worry. Um, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. That, that is interesting. I, I think. I mean, I, I think we're right not to pick Lee Griffiths because I don't think his head or his body are in the. Uh, yeah, I, to- I, I totally get that, but. But I, I do agree with you, someone that can create a moment. And Aye. if we are looking at who else we've got that can create moments, then, I mean, Ryan Christie can. I think she Adams, um, and maybe in combination with Stuart Armstrong, maybe can. Mm-hmm. But no one player you would look at and say, like, the James McFadden, you know, like that's Aye. what yeah. we're looking at. Aye. 
And I think that years gone by, I think a lot of these players that you've mentioned could have, but I would have been more confident with them um, creating big moments. But your likes are uh, Christie and McGregor, like, do you know what I mean? Players that you're thinking were standout uh, players at one point that could really make a difference in the centre of the park and going forward. They've just not been up to it. Um, last season, um, and that's obviously not just the international um, football, but um, I that this is the issue. Um, hope I'm wrong. I hope I hope they all come out uh, fighting and and prove me wrong. I just I'm just um, I'm just lacking confidence in um, and and them a wee bit just with what I've seen in the last year. No, I think that's a fair comment, to be honest. Uh, we've got someone in the comments saying as well about Calvin Phillips, who had a brilliant game for England against Croatia. I thought he was really good. Uh, not just the assist they got for the goal. I thought he put in a, a properly sort of driving performance in that that base of the midfield. And, and between him and Declan Rice, they had a, a really solid base in that middle of the park. And contrasting with what Scotland completely lacked against the Czechs, because we didn't have that, that area of the field is where we were really, really poor mm-hmm. against the Czechs. Although it was, for the most part, the work in both boxes that contributed to the defeat. I think it was a failure to get a stranglehold of that particular area that stopped us playing our football through the phases the way we can. And that's where Scotland need to be better. But Scotland are always better. And this was pointed out to me as well. Scotland are always better. I mean, it'll be tasty between Phillips and McTominay, I should say. Like, I think that could be a good battle if McTominay stands up to it. But Scotland are always better when we're like on a hiding to nothing, you know, like aye, when we're I like when when we're playing against a team, nobody expects us to do anything against. Then we're always better, and that's my one hope is that that can come come to the fore again mm-hmm. when we play England. I think. How- um, go, sorry, um, Hodge, um, just going back to on Monday there, like as you said, it's not as if we didn't have chances. We just weren't clinical enough and actually taking mm-hmm. them. Let's see, like like Robertson, like this. I'm, I'm not going to bash him. He's he's an outstanding player. Do you know what I mean? Is there's a reason why he's um, get the the stuff in his trophy cabinet that he does. But um, I think in a game like what's going to be happening um, tomorrow. Any game in a big tournament, but if a chance like that comes to you, you need to take it, and that's the difference between your big game players. Do you know what I mean? If if you if you've got a one on one with a goalie or whatever, like they're the chances you need to take, and I think that's what the issue was on um, Monday. It wasn't the lack of chances, and as you said, the two goals, like they were rotten, they were unfortunate, especially that second one. I'm not taking it away for um, that Czech player, um, but. What can you do about that? <laughs> do you know what I mean? Um, it was um, actually I was I was watching my nephew's team the other night. Um, bear in mind they've just recently started playing eleven aside the eleven, so I think the goalie was about four foot four. Um, and that same goal happened, and I'm thinking that's what happened the other night. <laughs> but I'm thinking that's we guys that are about four foot. <laughs> that it's happening. With, with, with Patrick Schick playing for the the other team, <laughs> that's my window. But I'm thinking yeah. if they stay there about four foot, they've got an excuse. Yeah, no, that's granted. Like, I mean, it, it was a bit of a mess. That I can understand why Marshall was doing his sweeper keeper. What I don't understand is Jack Hendry having the shot. But I've I've spoken about that quite at length on this podcast. Hi. Now, I'm going to introduce a concept to you. So, I don't know if you've seen it on my Twitter, right? No. Um, I'm trying to get I'm trying to get a bit of traction for this, and it's kind of stop start so far. Is hashtag who's punditry, right? So when I'm watching games with my mom and dad in the house. Right, 
occasionally they'll come out with a bit of quality who's punditry. The <laughs> best one so far is that Giorgio Chiellini looks like a painter with a hangover. Right? He looks like somebody you get into, do your painting, but he's hung over for the night before. Right? And uh, the other one was the Croatia manager. My dad thought looked like he just walked out a, a pub in Newcomnock called Bregen. Like, because he had, like, you know that, pure, I'm just away to put my bets on. I've got my Saturday best on and I'm getting sloshed. Like, <laughs> that kind of vibe going on. But is there any good who's punditry so far for you watching the Euros with your family? Just like random comments and banter and stuff. Oh, goodness me. I'm trying to think if to pick one out because Joe's been here as well and he's always got <laughs> something to say, uh, as you know. But um, I think one of the ones my, it was actually to do with Jack Henry. Um, it was my brother saying, I mean, let, you can just imagine I'm saying it. I mean, why? Why? <laughs> did he, why face, why do they keep passing to Jack Henry when he can't play football? <laughs> 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 Aye, well, it's a fair, it's a fair uh, question to ask. So, aye, for anybody else, do you have any good house punditry stories for the tournament so far? Just in general in the tournament. So, do, do you think, um, that's the first time I've dropped the pseudo bomb in the podcast, by the way, I think I wasn't <laughs> going to do that. Uh, aye, um, just in terms of the tournament so far, who's impressed you? Like, I mean, Italy seemed the obvious one to pick. I think aye. they've been really good. But I think France still look like the team to beat for me. I would I would still go with France for me, but I think um, before the tournament started, I don't think Italy were getting much. You weren't hearing much about them um, in years gone by, the way you maybe would have. Um, uh, but just thinking, when I was doing my my sweepstake and my work, it's always me that organises it. And um, when the guys that picked out Italy was kind of like, mm, they've just not really been them the the team that they they maybe were once uh, once we were ten years ago, um, longer than that, but. Um, I would say Italy for me. Um, I've impressed me. Um, just more for the fact that I've not heard much about them before on the lead up to the tournament. You only you were hearing about your France, your Belgium, your England, of course. You always hear about them. Um, but I would say Italy. Italy have impressed me. Um, and I think I, I can't really see um, France getting beat at the moment. Um, we'll see. I think it's between those two. I think Belgium have got a chance. I think Spain are better than their first result suggests and I think England on the running as well if I'm honest like uh, I wouldn't really like Portugal either Um, Ronaldo obviously uh, is is a thing Uh, and I mean what an achievement it would be for them to to win another Euros you know that that, that would be quite something but I I think think it's between those nations that we've mentioned so far there Mm -hmm. I can't really see anybody else really break in Germany I mean by default you kind of have to say they've got a chance I wasn't uh, impressed with them, uh, albeit it was against France. I wasn't that impressed with them. No, me either, especially since I got them in the sweepstake. Oh, <laughs> must have thought you were only a potential winner. I am. <sighs> Bringing it back along to Friday then, just before we finish up. Right. Gordon Strachan had a he of many plans and many sound bites. Had a, had a thought there. Uh, <laughs> He had a thought in terms of, I'm just laughing at one of the comments there, he had a thought that we should probably, to try and negate Harry Kane, play the three players that have played against him, in terms of, have played against him in the English Premier League at some point. So, Grant Hanley, Liam Cooper, Kieran Tierney as your back three. I can kind of see the merit in that, if I'm honest. 
And I would be interested to see how comfortable Liam Cooper is in the stopper role. So playing as the, the central defender of the of the back three. Right. And I think Hanley can step out. I think he's shown that. I think he's quick enough to, to play as the right centre back, although he is decent in that stopper role. So if you play Hanley Cooper Tierney, is that the best lineup? Another option is, of course, put Scott McTominay back to right centre back. And then that allows you to bring in another one of your midfielders, maybe Billy Gilmer, who's the other kind of deep, sort of naturally deep sitting one. Mm-hmm. So there are a few options there. But we know about it. I think I would rather go with uh, that option just for the fact that um, I don't want to keep bashing Jack Henry, but I can't help it. Um, <laughs> no, I'm the same. I, I thought it was the weak link coming into the tournament, and Aye. so it's and proved. It's- Him and O'Donnell, and, and that's exactly how it proves. Aye, and I think um, with Jack Henry, I know is it. I think he's been getting a good light up in the is it the Belgian league. He's been um, doing really well. Like, he's done really well in Belgium, but I think part of the reason for that is culturally they appreciate different things in their defenders. So mm-hmm. he's quite good at the football bit. Like sometimes, <laughs> even though your brother says he can't play fit, but like he has he has more of a footballing defender. But I think his mm-hmm. positional awareness and the the kind of rudiments of the defensive side of the game are what lets him down. And I think that's been been proven. But I also think he's quite naive. Like I think no. he's a player that lacks experience at the level. Um, but he has, he has done well in Belgium. You have to say that, and that is why he's kind of earned Steve Clark's trust. I think. I, I think um, if I could take him out, I would. Um, I think I've probably made that pretty clear already. Um, but I think you'll obviously know a lot more about Hanley than at um, Norwich and stuff. Um, uh, you'll be a fan of him, I'd imagine. Mate, he's um, better than everybody in Scotland thinks. Honestly, everybody in Scotland thinks. Do you know, do you know something? Thing, I would have been saying that I thought he was kind of quite slow and stuff, and then I seen your tweet. Um, rapid. And he's... I thought I don't know where I was getting that for. Like, but no, I've ever been he's slow and rubbish with the ball at his feet, mm-hmm. and it's neither of those things. Daniel Farber right. improved. He's like playing outside of the game, uh, and he's always been quick. Uh huh. Yeah. Um, but see, your likes of like Hanley and Cooper, like. I'll put my hands up. I'm not often watching Norwich and Leeds games. Do you know what I mean? As you know, like, so um, I just think for what I've seen um, in the the qualifying stages, and obviously seen for Monday um, with the the defence, something needs to change. And I think that change should be if uh, should be taken Jack Henry um, and given um, maybe somebody else a chance. Um, but I think what you said about Patterson as well. I know he's young, but he'll be up for it. And then you're in your likes of Billy Gilmer, do you know what I mean? The the wee superstar for down our way. Um he's maybe a player you want to bring on, maybe ten minutes to go, see what he can do. So what what would your team be for the England game? Um by the way, just before I come to that, Fraser Sproach saying Steve Clark comments defending O'Donnell were ludicrous, he's getting an easy ride, his selection against the Czechs, a disgrace. Um I think he's talking about the general selection of the team rather than just the selection of O'Donnell specifically there. I didn't actually agree with the team. Uh, sorry, disagree with the team that much, Fraser. And I thought O'Donnell 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 O'Donnell, uh, O'Donnell deserved a chance in that opening game. But I think and I think he's going to come out and defend his player. What will be yeah, he did mean the general sort of team selection. But I think what will be the telling thing for me on that will be whether he plays them against England because he's played himself out of the team. I think under reasonable circumstances he would have played himself out of the team. Same with Jack Hendry. 
And there's a few others that you could point at as well. Probably Ryan Christie, I would say as well. I wouldn't start him. So there's there's a few different sort of things. But if anybody's watching this, if you want to give us your teams that you would start against England, then we will we'll talk over them because I would be very, very interested to see what people think and what they how they think Scotland should line up. But throw it to you first, Susan. How do you think we should? It's weird hearing you call me Susan, by the way. I'm just so used to sit up. You know. So I think I'd be David Marshall, and, and, and I think I think people have been quite harsh on him. Um, get get him out and get Gordon in and stuff. I think no, he made a, a few, couple of good saves as well um, during the game. I think that were forgotten about. Um, I agree, and he also he saved them in the right way. You know that way, he it back into danger. It was either wide or held. You know. Um, so who was it that started on Monday? Um, Hanley, Henry, and Cooper was it? So take Henry out and um, who did you say you'd replace with him? Oh, so my idea was that you would bring what Tierney in, move Cooper across, and move Hanley across. Right. Okay. I have them as the two um, kind of two guys in the middle. Um, I um, Robert to... left back, obviously right back. Uh huh. Right wing back. Who would you go? Right wing back. Mm-hmm. Aye, so the O'Donnell role. Um, I wouldn't start O'Donnell. I, I just wouldn't. I just don't think he's up to much at all. Um, mm-hmm. To be honest, I would have Forrest or Patterson in. I hate him. Um, mm-hmm. Either or. Um, don't want to be sitting with my green tinted specs on and saying, hi, hey, James Forrest. <laughs> um, but I. Forrest a Patterson, I would have in before him, easy. Uh, Clark obviously likes him, as you said, with his time at Kelly and stuff, and he clearly go, likes him. Go ahead, go ahead, pick one. Forrest. Right, I get that. Experience, right. Um, okay, so who's your midfield three then, or four? Uh, Robertson. Um, I would start Armstrong. I think he's a good player. Um, I think he can pull out some... Um, there was any opportunities at the edge of the box, I'd be wanting him to hit them. Mm-hmm. Um, he's um, got the capability of drilling in a goal like that. Um, McTominay, um, if, obviously he's gonna he's gonna start, but he needs to come out and and do a bit more. Um, if, he's used to playing big games every week um, down south, so as you said, he needs to kind of put his stamp on it. Um, and uh, so that be Robertson, um, McTominay, Armstrong. <sighs> Um, would they be already fill in for a, a Donald? So it'd be kind of. So we've got a Donald. That's Forrest. So mm. you've got another two, an attacking mid or two strikers. Well, what, what's the the options? Dykes and Adams. You could go like that. Here's what Fraser Sproat's saying. He's saying he'd go Craig Gordon, Nathan Patterson, Grant Hanley, Liam Cooper, Kieran Tierney, Andy Robertson, Billy Gilmer, John McGinn, Scott McTominay. Stuart Armstrong and Shea Adams. I, by the way, on Shea Adams, episode two was all about him. So if anybody's not listened to that, then you can listen to that. And episode three was all about Billy Gilmer. So if you don't listen to that, you can listen to that. saying just for Armstrong, he can fill in as a attacking midfield behind Adams then? So I, I think that's that's how I would read that team. Um, I mean, you could look at it as him and McGinn could play behind Shea Adams if that was I, the I, case. I've, totally, I've totally forgot about McGinn and all. Um, he's yeah, he's a good player, McGinn. He obviously gets a good bite up as well, but um, 
I don't want to offend the Tartan army by saying it in bad against him because I know everybody loves him. <laughs> um, but aye, he could do a wee bit more, I think. John McGinn was was not great against the Czechs. I don't think I don't think the way Scotland played helped him. But John McGinn is a player that we're relying on. He's he's in the undroppable category. Like he he's a player that he's been in such good form for Scotland and his club that we, we can't no play him. Mm-hmm. Um just to go through Fraser's team here, Craig Gordon, I think it would be I don't think it would be sensible to change a keeper in the middle of a major tournament unless you've got a reason that you absolutely need to injury, suspension, etc. So and I think David Marshall has done enough. And I think he's He's just slightly more mobile than, than an aging Craig Gordon as well. I think if Alan McGregor was fit, I think he would be the first choice. Or, sorry, fit, if he was available for selection, rather. I think he would be the first choice. Um, but I, I, w- I would stick with David Marshall. Nathan Parson, completely. In fact, I completely agree with your back five there, Fraser. That's exactly what I would play. Aye, uh, um, look at it, Fraser. It's not often I agree with you, Fraser. Uh, but aye, aye, that looks good. You and me both, though. Right, um... <laughs> Billy Gilmer, I'd, I don't know if I would fling him in, but I want to. Um, and I can definitely see the argument for doing so. Uh, I also think the the rest of that team I, I, I like. Uh, I, I like Dykes, but I also really like the idea of having Armstrong and Adams as the attacking axis because of the because of the Southampton connection, you know, and I thought you could definitely see there was a wavelength between the two of them mm-hmm. when when it was still 1-0 in particular, but when Adams had just come on at the break. So I think that could be really interesting. Uh, I, I like Dykes, but he's been too profligate against Luxembourg and then in that Czech game with chances. But it would be just like the thing if, I mean, the, the English hate the Aussies, you know, so if you could get the half-Australian, half-Scottish guy to get <laughs> winning goal, that would be brilliant it'd be like, I know all the cricket fans as well as the Fitba fans, you know, so that would be quite good I but, think um, team as well, that's leaving um, a lot of players um, that can come on as well um, your likes of your, your Christie's and McGregor's your Forrest's um, if that was the starting team um, you've always see, see, regardless, see regardless, Scotland have plenty of options at the moment like we do have options to come on and change a game and that's where Steve Clark, I felt, really let himself down against the Czechs. The initial swap of Adams at half time was really good. That was proactive. But after that, I felt the rest of these substitutes were predictable and became too late. I felt it should have been I felt it should have been a bit more forceful in terms of trying to change the game. I could kind of see the why that was the change. And I think given the way the game had panned out, it made sense for one perspective, but he's had one good half of a game, Nisbet, you know, for, for, for Scotland. And I don't think he'd be in the squad if Lee Griffiths was fit or fighting or anywhere near it. So, aye, I think Nisbet can be a good player, but I don't think he's a game changer at this level yet, unless you're sticking him up front alongside various other people. I'd be more interested in bringing Dykes on later on in a game than him, which is another reason that Fraser's team's quite interesting because it leaves yeah. that up for for a kind of something later on. But aye, um, I think that's really interesting. And regardless of the way Scotland line up, it's going to be it's going to be memorable, hopefully for good reasons. If you were to put your your betting head on, Susan, um, what would you what would you predict going into 
get into the game. What what does your heart say and what does your head say? My head would say um, if we play like the way we did on Monday, I think it could be a, a bit of a ready. Personally, um, I think we could go. Uh, that's just just the truth, but and, and I think it's but in, in my heart, <laughs> um, you'd be better asking me this. See the more about seven o'clock when I've maybe had a, a few pints. <laughs> I was not getting you on the podcast if you were bluttered, but um, yeah. we just had a late question come in by the way, and I think it's one that I have an easy answer for. It's from Jeff Lack. He says, if you could have any one player from Scottish football history available to choose for tomorrow night, who would you go for? I suppose if you've gone into the whole of Scottish football history, in my lifetime, it's James McFadden. And just for the reasons of like the fact that he's my favourite footballer of all time, it's James McFadden. So but, you would pick McFadden over MD? Over Douglas and Jinky Johnson, that's the, the kind of thing that I'm sort of doing in my head right now. Is yeah. is is that is that the right thing to do? But I don't know. I probably, if my heart was ruling my head, absolutely. Really? If, I don't know. The game was different then, wasn't it? Like so no, really, no, the same Johnson. level of athleticism that you require in the modern game. I'm trying to talk myself into this. Can you not tell? Hey. Um, <laughs> oh, there's so many like that you could play with. Um, there is a vast multitude. Dennis Law, um, another one. Um, we need a right back, so Danny McGrain. Aye, big Ali McCoist as well. Um, Ali McCoist would be brilliant. Um, we need a goal scorer. We need a keeper, so uh, I think the best Scottish keeper of all time is Andy Gorham, personally. Aye. So, aye, I would go with him. Um, <sighs> aye, that's it's madness. You, you could basically pick a whole team of other players, let's be honest. But I if if I'm picking one, I'm picking James McFadden. I if I could pick one player just just for the more based on my lifetime and I'm I'm only twenty six. So if I uh, if I could bring somebody into that game that I think would make uh, an impact at the very best for me, I think we're missing Scott Brown at his best in that mid in the middle of the park. Yep, I'm saying it. I'm saying it, Hodgie. I think he's the kind of guy you need on the pitch during a game like that. Somebody that can somebody that's a central midfielder who's spent a whole career not able to pass more than ten yards. Nope. No, I disagree with you. No way, the, the last couple of seasons at um, Brown, besides pre COVID anyway, um, I thought he was playing some of his best football when I was going to watch him week in, week out. But he still couldn't pass a 15 yard ball. Would you not say with Scott Brown on the park, it makes a difference? Like the, the passion, the just having that kind of player. Like who, who have we got that's going to be that kind of that captain that's going to be um, that's going to get towed in? Like, like, do you mean what? what, what? No, I'm not having it. Honestly, right? The guy is posh. He's, he's a guy that built a career on posturing, right? And if he'd been playing in the game 20 years earlier, then he would have got done and put up in the air week in, week out off harder players, right? So that's a start. Now, he's obviously playing in the modern era of the game where he can look hard, right? So the modern era of the game is more about polish and more about the ability to distribute and all of those things. Scott Brown has never been able to play a pass more than 10 yards accurately in his life. He can't finish. When he gets in the box, he gets a nosebleed. Just no, I cannot believe in like the absolute pantheon of Scotland internationals. You've picked Scott Brun. 
No, I've already mentioned Ali McCoy's. I don't care. Job. You said if you were to pick one, you, you, you finished that great spiel where I was she's talking sense with Scott Brun. A weenie man. From my like from my experience with Fitba, I think I think you've got it in for Brun. Mm. I don't have it in for him. I just think he is what he is. And uh, Jeff said solid answers, guys. Mine was solid. Right, <laughs> no, I'm not having Scott Brown, mate. I can't believe you said that. Look, Honestly, look, when you go to watch that guy, obviously, as I said before, Scottish football's a bit different, but go to watch him week in, week in, week in, week out, home and away. He was the kind of guy he needed on a pitch. End of story. I kind of I get, I get where it's coming from. The answer, right? I get end of story. that we need it's not an end of story. We get we do need someone that can motivate the rest of the team and. I would be into maybe if Scott Brown was in the squad and in his prime, it'd be like, right, do we drop McTominay for Brown? That's a legitimate question, right? But no, no, uh, every Scotland international, even in your lifetime, although Jeff agrees with you, Brown's aggression in midfield might be handy in an England game. Looks like I'm in a hiding to nothing here. Anyway, I can't believe that. That's, that's a good you're getting, you're getting sent off, mate. That's it. That's, that podcast is ending. I wish I had a red card. Let's see. I've got a... Wait, I'll, I'll do you one better. Hang on. Right. Got a Typhoo tea bag. Right, you're watching. Susan McDade. You are sent off. Right. That's it. <laughs> Thank you to Travel Lodge for providing me with rubbish tea. Um... I am going to end the podcast there. Thank you to everybody. There's been some nice interaction in the chat today. It's been really enjoyable. Um, of course, this is the Tartan Daily. So bear in mind that you can tune in every day. And you can also find it on your latest pod or your favourite, sorry, podcast player, uh, where all the latest episodes will go up just after I record them, basically. But the whole of West Bride is about to descend on London, so I am going to gather with those people um, for some merriment this afternoon, Susan, which should be oh, good. Oh, brilliant, brilliant. So I'm looking forward to that. But um, thank you for everybody for watching and taking part in the, the debate today. Thank you to you, Sudo, for coming on. I've had a very good time with you, even Hi. the last five minutes notwithstanding. We always have a good time, Hodge, even when we... And it's no, um, it's no <laughs> a new thing for us not to agree and stuff. This is true. This is true. That's why change the habit of a lifetime, you know. Anyway, I am going to bid farewell. Um, what I would say to everyone, if you get any good host punditry that's going on during the Euros games, then please tweet I, me. I'm going to start writing it down because my ma comes out with some crackers. She does. Right, that's brilliant. Right, so what we want is we want some host punditry flying about. Um, but I, for everyone that has watched and taken part in the debate today, thank you very much. You can find the podcast on your latest podcast platforms and, of course, watch on YouTube. Please subscribe, hit the wee bell, and then you'll know when I'm going live with this and all the other podcasts that I do. All that remains is for me to thank Sudo. Thanks for having me. And thank all of you for watching. Thank you for watching today's Tartan Daily. I hope you enjoyed the episode. We'll be doing each of these every day during the Euros, as long as Scotland are in the tournament. Remember, you can find me, I'm Hodgie the Hack, that's H-O-D-G-E-Y the Hack, on all social media. So that's Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram. If you were watching the stream on YouTube today, then please remember to hit the bell for notifications of future streams. And if you're listening on the podcast, then you can subscribe on your major podcast players and please give a rating or a comment saying how much you enjoyed it. And remember, if you're enjoying these podcasts, then please share them with all your friends. 
Thank you very much for watching or listening. And remember, no Scotland, no party. <laughs>